0: I'd like to encourage you to open your Bibles or an app if you have it on your uh, iPhone to uh, the second letter of Peter. That would be Second uh, Peter, uh, the first chapter, and we're going to spend our time this morning in the uh, uh, last half of the chapter, verses 12 through uh, 21, and. Uh, Hi to all of you out there in your cars and everybody that's watching online. Uh, and uh, let me be, uh, as well as you folks in the tent, let me be one of the first to wish you a Happy New Year. And uh, may, uh, may God bless you big time in the new year. In fact, it really is where the topic comes from this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, living out of the new you in the new year. Uh, You know, the Scripture says that if any man be in Christ, any woman be in Christ, he or she has become a new creature, a new creation in him. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go along here. Let me set the stage for you. Uh, Peter is a very prominent person, obviously, in the New Testament. And I think uh, we all identify with Peter a great deal because Uh, uh, we see ourselves in him. He's a guy that really means well. I think Peter has a wonderful heart, but sometimes uh, he talks uh, when he should be listening. Sometimes he's a bit braggadocious and uh, bold, Uh, and uh, sometimes he just is brilliant in his insights and other times not so much. Uh, It's uh, late in life for him. Uh, He's been a Christ follower probably for some thirty or forty years by this time. He uh, uh, has seen a lot, been through a lot. Uh, It uh, is uh, uh, probably just a very short period of time before uh, Nero and Rome will put him to death and he will die as a martyr. And the Lord has revealed to him that his time is short. Part of that also speaks to me. Uh, This, uh, if I make it to August, I will celebrate my 82nd birthday. I found Christ as savior when I was eight years old. And so I I like to think about the process of my life uh, from eight to 80, if you will. And uh, so I guess I see in Peter so much of myself. I think uh, what life was like before uh, my folks found Christ or Christ found them. We were non-churched. Our family was just terribly disintegrated. A lot of fighting going on between mom and dad. Uh, Because of my dad's habits, uh, we were living in really poverty. And then my dad went off to a a meeting one night, and uh, it was a gospel meeting, a revival meeting. And he came home and he said, I got saved. And I was not quite eight years of age, and I had no understanding what that meant. Then uh, he went back a few nights later, and he came home and he said he got the Holy Ghost. Now that was scary to me because uh, ghosts were not good things as to my understanding. And then mom went, and she came to Christ. And then one by one, we family members came to follow Christ. I was just about a month shy of my eighth birthday when I opened my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ prior to that, my nature was very septic because I was born with a septic nature. You're born with a septic nature. Um, It's toxic. You didn't ask for it. You just inherited it. It came about because of our first father's sin. When Adam rebelled against God, sin came into the human race and it's just been part and parcel of us ever since. And when it expresses itself, it's always septic. Now, if you think about it uh, 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 the septic part of our personalities we think of the the biggies, uh, adultery, fornication, greed, lying, stealing uh, murder, all those big sins those are really septic things. but you know if you 've been in the church for any time at all, the church can be a very toxic septic place, and there 's not many things that are more dangerous than toxic christianity you realize it were it was the religious folks the highly trained specialists who put jesus to death was the scribes the pharisees the priestly order the high priest they were toxic through and through and yet very religious well i think with peter with peter uh, you see a mixture. He, he was rugged. Uh, you, you may not know this, but uh, the uh, second most dangerous occupation in America, uh, just behind logging, would be commercial fishing. More injuries are, and deaths are uh, caused uh, by that uh, uh, occupation. Uh, second most uh, dangerous. So uh, it takes a rugged person to be a commercial fisherman. And I would assume that with the, uh, uh, you know, the science of what we have today and the, the ships and fishing boats that we have today, it is probably less dangerous than it was in Peter's day. So I would say that Peter was a rugged man, but he was really religious because um, he grew up, uh, no doubt, in the synagogue, Uh, probably occasionally visited the temple, and was probably well-schooled in the laws of the Old Testament and knew the prophetic stories of the Old Testament, well-trained in the Scriptures, Uh, and so he was a very religious man. But he was not yet the righteous man that Jesus would call him to be, and that would happen in time. Now I want you to think about your life. You, like me, we were born with a toxic nature. We were born with a septic nature. But if you put uh, an A in front of that, you become aseptic. And to be aseptic means that there's a purity, there's a freedom from bacteria, and you're no longer toxic. Well, we want to call that new nature the Holy Spirit. And when you were born from above, and that happened, it was an event when uh, you acknowledged that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that uh, uh, you believed in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, and you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. You became brand new in Him. You became that new creation in Christ. You became you. Uh, you were given an aseptic nature, if you will, and out of that nature flows the fruit of the Spirit: love, joy, peace, all those wonderful qualities that we we want to manifest in our lives if we truly be Christ's followers. So there's a septic nature. There's an aseptic nature. So what I propose this morning is um, a word. Uh, You, no doubt, are familiar with what an acronym is. An acronym is a word that stands for a a series of words, perhaps. Uh, Back in the 70s, there was the SALT agreement. That was the Strategic Arms Limitation Talks was between Russia and the United States, that they were going to limit the arms uh, war. And in time, it became the Strategic Arms Treaty. A Little later on in the 80s, and you're all familiar with this word, uh, AIDS, what is it? Acquired Immune Disease Syndrome. And so AIDS became a word we're all familiar with. Uh, Most recently, the word COVID. Uh, has come into our uh, vernacular. And so what is COVID? It's uh, coronavirus uh, disease. So it becomes an anacronym. Well, I want to give you an acronym as we study this text this morning. And it's going to be the word base. B-A-S-E. And there are four words that that stands for. The first word is belief. And what, by that, what I mean by that is that uh, you come to believe the witness of those who have been transformed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That has to do with faith. It has to do with belief. And then uh, uh, the letter A stands for agreement. It's when you align yourself and agree with God about what he has to say about his Son. And then let me give you an S word. And that word stands for saturation. And when I uh, use the word saturation, I mean, uh, I, I, this is my thought, that uh, it's in, uh, imperative that we be saturating our souls with the word of God, saturating our souls with scripture. And then the final word, E, will be for an evaluation or an examination as to whether or not we are living out of the septic side of our nature or our aseptic side of our nature. So let's look at the text. Uh, And beginning in the 12th verse, Therefore I will... uh, That really helps to get the words a little closer. (laughs) Therefore I will always uh, remind you about these things. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord, Jesus Christ, has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. I I think one of the reasons I was drawn to this text is that at this stage in life, you know, I got my 70, uh, now by strength I've made it to 80, In the last two or three years, it seems like everything, uh, we used to say it's it's going to pot. (laughs) I'm falling apart. And so there's arthritis in all the joints, and uh, I have to come up here with a cane, uh, you know, and the knee goes in and out depending on, uh, uh, it's kind of capricious. It just does it whenever it wants to. I'm not sure how... Now that operates. All I know is that the consequences it gets very tender and it's very hard to walk. My mom lived to be 81. My dad lived to be 91. So I was doing a little averaging. Now I don't know exactly when it is I'm going to die. But if you, if you find the mean of that, uh, I'll live to be 86. Wouldn't that be right? In so I don't know if that math will work out that way. And at this point in life, I actually have more friends on that side than I have on this side. (laughs) And uh, I've been blessed with a long life and uh, I have no complaints. God's been very, very good to me. But uh, when I think about Peter and this process in his life, you remember he was transformed from a fisher to a fisher of men. And uh, after he had uh, dishonored Christ by the denial, You remember how Jesus lovingly took him aside and asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter kind of got frustrated with that and kind of got his feelings hurt. And uh, Jesus went on to say to him, if you love me, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. I relate to that because as a little boy, I think God spoke that to my heart. And I didn't know what he was saying to me. I really didn't. All I know is that when my family started attending church, there was such a joy. There was such a sense of God's love and the care of God's people that it just became a wonderful place to me. And I remember probably as a nine-year-old boy thinking to myself, and I wouldn't have told anybody this, but I would like to be a pastor someday. And God put that in my heart. And then there was... A Uh, different people in my life along the way who would encourage me. But in my teen years, I had to be very honest, I I really gave up on the idea because I just couldn't live the life. I knew pastors were supposed to be really uh, honorable, righteous people, and um, I had a lot of the world in me, and uh, it just seemed like that that I had to give up on that that dream. That wasn't for me. But, you know, about uh, in my late teens and early 20s, God started doing a deeper work in my life. And I started thinking, no, it is a possibility for me. So off to Bible college and then uh, uh, for the next really 60 years of my life, I've been in pastoral ministry. With that, I think, comes a shepherd's heart. And as I think of my life and at this age, two things I want you to know. One is that I love you. I love the church. I love God's people. I love being a shepherd. And I love the re, the rapport and the relationship with people. I thank God for the calling. I have no regrets. God has done nothing but good in my life. And so uh, there's a little sentimentality to this text when I read it, because I don't know how many times I will stand before you or anybody else. life at this stage gets more and more brief does it not and it is like a vapor it passes quickly but this sermon really arises out of peter's process and me seeing my own life and in him and so i want to give you uh these thoughts and i take them from the text uh, i found another acronym for the word base uh maybe you're familiar with it and you can go on youtube and and uh you Google it and go on YouTube, and it's, uh, it, uh, uh, the B stands for buildings, A for antennas, uh, S for spans or bridges, and E for earth, which would mean cliffs and high mountains. And for $12,000, for $12, I think it's $12,000, you can buy yourself uh, a soaring suit. Now when you put this suit on, you look like a flying squirrel. You know, the, the bat wings go out like this, and then you go to a very high place, you jump off and you soar. And at a certain point you have a ripcord, you pull the ripcord, cord, chute opens up and you land. It is now uh, believed to be the most dangerous sport in the world. And I think you have to be not stable to do it, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Especially if you're 80, you don't want to try that, I'm, I'm sure. Now, I have to have Jim help me get up and down on the stage here. I, I better stay out of the, the soaring suit. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, but as I said, BASE for us stands for belief. It stands for affirm, uh, 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 agreement. It stands for saturation. And it stands for evaluation. So let's read on in the text. For we in verse uh, picking up in verse sixteen. For we were not making up clever stories when you we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, "This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy." We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophets' own understanding or from human initiative. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, excuse me. Uh, human initiative. No, these prophets; those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they sp- spoke from God. So, what about belief? Uh, it's coming to the place where we accept the witness of those whose lives have been transformed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the people in your life that you know whose lives have been transformed by the power of the gospel. One of the great arguments for belief in Christ is the fact that when people put their faith in him, something transformational transpires, something wonderful happens they do indeed become new people. Certainly, this was a process for Peter. It was an event in his life, but it was also a process. For you, it's an event. There comes that day when you acknowledge Christ as your Savior, but it's also a process. You're in the process of becoming. We're all in process. And when Jesus is all done with us, we will look like him and we'll spend eternity with him. But right now, we're in process. I would suggest that uh, someday you talk to... uh, Uh, Todd Courtney you you know Todd makes the announcements and we call him the parking lot pastor I met Todd about four years ago and it's just been great to see his growth in the Lord and Todd would be the first to tell you that there was a wonderful change in his life when he came to follow the Lord Jesus Christ I would encourage you to sit down with Pastor uh, Steve Mason and hear his story. What a marvelous story is how that supernaturally God spoke to him when he was just a rotten sinner. <laughs> he, he was really rotten, okay? <laughs> like you. <laughs> and God spoke to his heart and he became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, been a pastor for, for 40 years. But Talk to him someday. Listen to his witness. Uh, you know, uh, we don't have time this morning, but my my family story is a remarkable one, how we rank sinners came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I, I think it's very important that we believe in the witness of those that have been transformed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when I think about the letter A, uh, and I look at this text, it's agreeing with God the Father about God the Son. Uh, <laughs> We got a Christmas card uh, from uh, 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 Todd Matson. Uh, some of you may know um, uh, Todd. But uh, Tom is famous for his three tall sons. Uh, he's got sons that uh, range probably from about 20 to 30 in that bracket. I mean, these guys, I, I mean, they're like that. So I like to get around them and put my arm around them this way and ask them, are you taller than me? <laughs> I like these tall guys, all right. But I get this Christmas card and on the one side of the three boys, in the middle is the oldest boy with his new bride, and then there's mom, dad, and little sister. But I, I look at that card and I see kind of this a grin on Todd's face, and I, that's, that's one proud papa. That's one happy daddy. And you know, you got those letters and those cards this year, telling you that what's happened in different lives, and the picture of the family, and all the pride that's attached to family. This was a, a special Christmas for us. You know, Anita and I fought this uh, COVID thing. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, I got over it really very quickly, but it's been a longer journey for her. And with it comes a lot of depression because you're in isolation and she's very much a people person. And so I was, con- I was concerned because I thought physically she's doing better. But I'm psychologically, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to come out. But our, our children, our grandchildren, and they're all adults, were coming Christmas Eve. And so the day before, I noticed she was being in a spark a little bit. We started uh, preparing the, the meals that we are going to have. And I'm working with her. And I, you can just see that something's happening. She, this is lifting her. And by the time uh, New Year, uh, Christmas Eve came around... We had a nice prime rib roast. Boy, it was a great meal. She's in the middle of that, and yeah, uh, Christmas day, she was like a new person. And I think it's 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 what we experience at Christmas time, why family is so important to us. And I think that's what we really miss when we can't come to church. I don't know about you, but I miss you. I, you know, watching it online—that's one thing you can have. That I'd rather—I really, just drink orange juice and eat donuts. I just—it just does not doesn't ring my chimes, because to me, church is about you. It's about the warmth of who you are. So it's very hard for me. It's just not in my nature. Although, because I'm an obedient servant, I will do it. But uh, I might—my uh, uh, wife, my wife, might, might make me sit there and watch that. But for me, it's about people. It's about family and the family of God. And so, it appears to me that what makes his family is that we have come to agree with God about his son. God has proclaimed him as the savior of the world. God has proclaimed him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has taken great joy in his son. And it at the baptism of jesus he announces also this is my beloved son in whom i'm pleased and then it is on this occasion on the mount of transfiguration where god again is in this booming voice saying this is my uh son my son my beloved son and he brings great joy to my heart one of the gospel accounts it says uh listen to him and one of the things that will demonstrate whether we're in agreement with God or not is do we really listen to Jesus? What does he have to say about how we manage our lives? What does he say about the wellspring of our lives? I think of all the well stories in Scripture and the water stories in Scripture and the whole idea of toxicity and uh, uh, things that are, are, are septic. And water has to be pure and Jesus said to the woman at the well, you remember, when you come to me, out of your innermost being will come this well that springs up, it rises up, and there's the water of life. And it says on the last great day of the feast, Jesus cried out, which he rarely did. And he said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me, and out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so let me suggest to you that when we align ourselves with God's view of his Son, it is the means by which we are living out, one of the means whereby we are living out of the, of the, of the, the new you, out of the new self that you've become in Christ. And then the uh, uh, letter S uh, stands for saturation. Um, Peter has had these marvelous experiences. He's seen all the miracles of Christ. Uh, he is eyewitness of Jesus after the resurrection. And then he hearkens back to this experience he had on the Mount of Transfiguration when he was with, uh, uh, Peter, uh, with James and John. And suddenly the, the, the majesty of Christ shone forth. And no longer was he just a man, but he was God in all of his glory. And uh, those three disciples did some FaceTime because they were in the presence of his majesty to a degree they'd never been there before. And there appeared with Jesus both Elijah and Moses, and they're having this big conversation. Well, Peter is now an old, old man. And he still remembers that experience. It, it's still vivid. It's alive. One of the things about getting old is uh, <clears throat> you have ancient memory. But every day I have to look for my glasses. I always forget where I put them. And they kind of blend in with everything else. And so I do my search for my glasses. Uh, you are my friends. Uh, I've memorized your names. But I'll look right in your face and I. I just have a brain freeze. I can't remember your name. I I, I know you, but I can't remember your name. Uh, But there are things from ancient times, if you will, from when I was a boy that uh, they're still alive in me. I can remember those things. And so I think Peter the old man, boy, this is still in his head. But he says there's something more important than the experience. And I will say this to you. You cannot build your Christianity on an experience. Now, experiences are great things, but they're secondary. They're not primary. You build your life on the Word of God. You saturate yourself with Scripture. I began a journey when I was 21 years old, and I purposed to read the Bible through once a year. And then as time went by, I thought I can do better than that. And I found myself reading... Uh, 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 Three chapters in the Old Testament Three chapters in the New Testament I'd read a psalm and I'd read a proverb Every day of my life I was both Vocational during those days So uh, your excuse Doesn't hold water with me When you say I don't have time You just don't take time Because all you have to do is get up an hour earlier Or stay up an hour later It'll work for you But you have to believe That God's word is important you have to believe, like like uh, Jeremiah would believe, when he said, "I found your words and I did eat them, and they were the delight and the desire, uh, the delight of my heart." And he found nourishment in them. Uh, it's what Sister Davis taught me when I was in the second and third grade, when she uh, took us to Psalm 119, 119 Psalm. And she taught me on with flannel graph. Now, you have to be very old to remember what flannel graph is. The flannel graphs were little pictures that hung on a, 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 a board that had flannel on So, therefore, flannel graph. And these pictures, uh, one that's very vivid would have been uh, Psalm 119.11, 11. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not. And she had a rope with a knot. That I might not sin against you. Or Psalms uh, 119, 105, thy word is a light unto my feet. And so, she'd have a lamp, and uh, a, a lamp unto my feet and, and a light unto my path. I think she was speaking prophetically to a little boy, and she didn't know that, and I didn't know that, uh, how the Word of God would become sacred in my life. I can tell you right now I have read through the New Testament well over a hundred times, and I've read through the, new, the Old Testament probably 70 times or thereabout. And what I have found in the Old and the New Testament is just one continuous story, and it's a story about Jesus. And when you learn the story about Jesus, guess what happens? Light shines in your heart. Something new and transformational happens because you see the glory of who He is. So my encouragement to you is saturate yourself with the regard of God. Then when I come back to the the 19th verse, (laughs) the idea of Christ shining in my heart is really important to me because when God puts the searchlight of Christ and shines it on my heart, then I have to deal with what is septic and what is aseptic. And I tell you, in this old man, too often, there's too much that is septic. And it's the egotistical part of me. Now, I want to use some initials because I don't want to offend uh, the younger generation. Uh, You know who this person is. We'll call him S.C. Now, think about this a little bit. It's Christmas time. Who might S.C. be? Well, let me tell you about S.C. First, he's a legalist. He has a list. He's checking it twice, and he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. So we learn early on that we have to perform if we're going to be approved. Performance becomes everything, and that certainly is true in Christianity. And it's one of the septic toxic things that happens that we think that somehow we earn our salvation. And then what do we do to the little ego? Make the list. We'll try to check them all off. And what is being taught? Adults cater to children. And there's an idolatry that comes that finds its expression the rest of our lives. And it starts from the moment we come out of the womb, life is all about us, and that na- nature is toxic. Did you notice — maybe it didn't happen in your family, but it happened in mine — one of our outliers, that's the relative from whom all the drama comes every Christmas. We were not disappointed. <laughs> drama came again. and. The drama comes out of, I'm not satisfied, you're not satisfying my needs. And so, by nature, we're very toxic. We are septic. But in Christ, we are aseptic because we have a new nature. And it's God who works on us both to will and to do his good pleasure. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and all of that comes to life in us because of our trust in the Son of God and our reliance upon the Holy Spirit. So you can evaluate your heart. Let Jesus Christ shine his light on your heart and ask yourself, am I living out of the septic side of my na- uh, of uh, out of that septic nature with which I was born, or am I living out of the aseptic side, the new nature I have in Christ? And so to be the new you in the new year, uh, you must, I must live out of the aseptic nature that God has given us, who is the Holy Spirit himself. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? That's a great idea. In fact, yeah, it's a great idea. Well, we're going to need help, aren't we? And that's why we're going to call upon the Lord. So would you stand with me? And let's make kind of a little altar in our hearts. And on this last day of the year and the the Sunday before the new year begins, let's let's consecrate ourselves anew and afresh, and so I like to uh, lead you in a prayer, and uh, if you would just kind of follow along in your heart and make this your prayer, we're going to consecrate ourselves anew to the Lord Jesus so Father, we bow before you today, and uh, the reality is that we have spent too much time living out of the septic side of our uh, our personalities, out of the the fallenness of who we are by nature. But what a wonderful thing you've done for us and that you've made us creatures of your grace and you've made us brand new in Christ. And so we confess and acknowledge our sinfulness and we receive your forgiveness. But at the same time, we come as we are, thanking you that you receive us just as we are. And we bring ourselves once again to the altar and we offer ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. May you in the new year and always thereafter, uh, continue to be the Lord of our lives and would you continue to strengthen us, working on us both to will and to do your good ple- uh, your pleasure. And so I bless these wonderful people with your grace and your blessing in the new year. we pray in Christ's name. Amen.